The Lord is my deliverer and my salvation. Part 2 from last week. The Lord is my deliverer and my salvation. Part 2. Last week we read from the book of Proverbs, chapter 18, verse 10, that the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. And we ask this question, how safe are you, both today and in eternity future? Not just how confident and comfortable you feel yourself, but how safe are you, both today and in eternity future? Because eternity is a reality, because God is eternal. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we bless you and we want to be dependent on you. Your word is settled in heaven. Your word is pure. It gives wisdom to the simple and converts souls. And it teaches us your ways. But Lord, we pray for the guiding of your eternal and Holy Spirit. We now pray that as your word is already blessed because of its origins, that our hearts itself will also be blessed and ready to discern your ways. Guide us, Lord that these things will be spoken about accurately under the guiding, the power, the inspiration, the leading of your Holy Spirit and that it will fulfill its purpose. In Jesus' name, Amen. We continue the journey We've been looking at the journey of the children of Israel since the deliverance from the land of Egypt. They've now miraculously passed the Red Sea. They've encountered a lot of obstacles and challenges in the wilderness. No water, no food, etc. And we said last time that the Lord who simply initially revealed himself to them as Jehovah only, the God of their fathers Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, will continue to reveal himself in his fullness to his people Israel. Because through that chosen people, God will be revealed to the rest of humankind. And as he leads them, he begins to reveal his power, his f faithfulness, his victory, 
his provision, his healing power, his righteousness, and defending them. And I told you that uh, one of his attributes, one of his names, which is really very little spoken about, is Yahweh Mephalti. The Lord, our deliverer. Yahweh Ezad, God, the Lord, my helper. And David understood those things. And as he goes along in front of his people, leading them and guiding them, he's revealing himself. As we shall see again this morning. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. The name of the Lord. We have all plainly in God. The book of Colossians speaks of Christ's sufficiency. We have all. We have no need to continue seeking. I remember many, many years ago, a friend who has been uh, in a lot of different cults. When he came to the Lord, he used to say, Ah, I am there now. No need to move. No need to seek again. I've found. Well, in the Bible, it's the same. We found the Messiah. To whom else shall we go? You have the word of eternal life. If we found Christ, then we remain in Christ. Now, listen to this. The Bible is not the word of God because you and I trust it. If we decide to stop trusting it, it's the word of God. Should I say that again? The Bible does not become the word of God because we trust it. And if we walk away, the word of God remains the word of God. It is permanently, eternally settled in heaven. And it came down here from when God himself came down. At the Mount of Sinai. That's how the word of God came. He gave the Ten Commandments and then he began to, he continued to expound and to add to it, etc. In Exodus, in Leviticus, and then Deuteronomy as the second law. And God was adding through the prophet his word. It came from heaven. If we decide, oh, I don't like those don't and those do's and don't. I don't it doesn't make anything to the word of God. When Paul found himself in that position, the Lord Jesus said to him, oh, it will be very difficult for you to kick against the gods. You, you can't win. You can't win God. Having examined all those things, if we believe in Christ, let us come and walk and learn to work by his ways. It's easier. So, on the way to the promised land, the Lord will take his people. For which reason? Because he wants to teach them his ways. Remember that. So, 
some people get offended because Israel is the chosen people of God. But that's God's sovereignty. It is his choice. It's his plan. And some nations try to fabricate themselves, to make themselves, you know, exterminate all of them so that we'll take that place. We don't make anything. It's God's choice. Oh, they kill Jesus, they rebel. It's God's choice. As simple as that. You see, those things may be politically incorrect, but that's what it is. Unfortunately, even believers... I've been with church leaders who are absolutely against Israel. They will do all they can to join the media's propaganda against Israel. How can you be... Listen, we're not talking about Israel because as individuals, they are the most wonderful people. They are not seen as... The, no, we're talking about Israel from God's perspective. I will bless those who bless them. That's what it is. And then Jesus Christ said, where well, salvation is of the Jews. <laughs> I wish he was from Congo. <laughs> That's what it is. You see, these are very... Could be politically incorrect, but that's God. That's his choice. Why is God using that one, not me? Why is God using that one in this way, not me? But that's God's choice. Okay. Let's just continue from Exodus chapter 16. And we're reading from verse 1 to verse 5. That's Exodus 16 from verse 1 to verse 5. <clears throat> Pardon me. And they journeyed from Elim, and all the congregation of the children of Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elim and Sinai. On the fifteenth day of the second month after they departed from the land of Egypt, then the whole congregation of the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the children of Israel said to them, Oh, that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the pot of meat, and when we ate bread to the full. For you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a certain quarter every day that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. Verse 5. And it shall be on the sixth day that they shall prepare what they bring in and it shall be twice as much as they gather daily. Amen. We continue. 
for the rest of this chapter, the Lord will continue to give instruction about the manner, how to collect, how to eat, etc. Instructions. Now, in the Bible, there are at least three different types of manner. But they all point to Jesus Christ, who is the bread of life that comes from heaven. A lot of types and shadow of Jesus Christ. In this passage here, we've identified something which I call daily manna. Daily manna. That was a provision for every day. But Jesus Christ is the word of God that came from heaven. It's written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. Deuteronomy 8, verse 3. That is a daily reality. We eat every day. The daily manna was for daily consumption. And we are called to read the word of God, to be with Jesus, to commit our life to him daily. It's a daily provision. Why? Because man and woman shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of God's mouth. That word is that, that which gives eternal life. So the life the Lord is talking about here is not just this life, but is also eternal life. If you live by the word of God, you receive it in your heart. You respond to it. You invite the Lord in your heart and you walk with him. You will live by his word eternally. The gospel of salvation, the word of God. The perishable food we eat every day, one day, our favorite dish will betray us. One day, it will betray us. One day, we will have to leave it behind. One day. The word of God abides forever. The reason why we will be brought back to life is because of the spirit that was in Christ and is in us. The same spirit that rose Christ, brought him back to life, will raise us up as well. People who are going to hell are not in hell yet. No. Why? Because God is patient. God is waiting to the last minute. He's pleading. Because eternity without God 
is really bad. And God waits until one brief last, then it's finished. However nice word people may come with at the funeral, it doesn't change anything. Unfortunately. One day I asked uh, a colleague who was a pastor. After a funeral service, I say, why did you say that? You know that the deceased people was a blasphemer. You know that. He was rebellious, had no regard, no respect, no reverence to God. He spent all his time blaspheming God and fighting the people of God. Why did you sit there and say to people, he's gone to a better place? What do you mean a better place? He tapped on my shoulder and said, well, I was trying to comfort them. I said, but you're making things worse because you're creating that false hope. You're perpetuating, you know, error. Well, you can just talk about his memory, the good things people want to hear about him, and then focus on those who are there to prepare to meet with the creator. You see, the pastors are responsible for perpetuating error. Because people are sad, so the God must come himself and bow down because a rebellious people has, person has died. In order to comfort the family, we, ha- we need to post-mortem declare that they are saved. Where all their life, they lived in rebellion against God. The time to make peace with God is now. While we're still alive, before it's too late, A priest has no power. A pastor has no power. For it is appointed unto man to die once. After this, the judgment. Notice, appointed. Sooner or later. It's a matter of when, not if. One day, people will talk about us in the past. I don't know when. Don't be scared. It's not, a, it's not a prophecy. But sometimes when I talk about death, I talk about myself because people get scared. Oh, talk about yourself, not to me. I want to live. Well, talk about myself. One day, people will talk about me in the past. Make peace with God now. Remember the question. How safe are you both today and in eternity future? What people do, the nice song, the nice scripture, when the coffin is lying there, makes no difference. Trust the Lord whilst you're still living. Serve the Lord with your heart. Love the Lord. Worship him. And on that day, we will see him. And then worship face to face in a proper way. Not for two hours. For eternity. Renewed by his spirit. We will see, we will understand everything. Dear friends, hell is a reality. Heaven is a reality because Christ came and rose again. You see, this book here, some people call it a magic book. Some people despise the Bible. One day, the just, the righteous judge will stand and we will give an account. Christ died for us. 
Amen. Daily manna. Then there is a second type of manna, manna that is the Sabbath manna. That's me calling it the Sabbath manna. Because at the end of the week they had to collect to gather manna for two days. Because of the rest God had given to them. They were not allowed to work during the Sabbath. It was a time for rest. So even for cooking and shopping, they had to make a provision for that. So I call that the Sabbath manna. Now in that instance, nourishment, food, is linked to rest. They still need a provision, food, but God commanded that that was his day. They had to rest. Jesus Christ is our Sabbath. He is our rest. He calls all who labor and are heavy laden for giving them his rest. His much less peace. That's Matthew 11 verse 28. Jesus Christ is the prince of peace. Sar Shalom. is the prince of peace. And he said, peace I give to you, my peace I give to you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Well, we can try and find the comfort. Jesus Christ wants to give you his peace. He wants to set you free indeed if you will allow him to reign supreme within your heart. You can enter that rest if you will receive and obey his words. The peace of God is for those who rest in him through obedience to his words. When it is received and mixed with faith. Then there is a third type of manna. I call that memorial manna. This manna was a memorial that future generations should remember the wondrous work of the Lord. And Aaron had to keep that. I don't understand. Now, the manna had to be collected, guarded only for one day. Because otherwise it will stink. One day. And then the Lord who gave it made sure that the one collected for two days will not rot. <laughs> hmm. And then, even more troubling, one will be kept in the Ark of the Covenant perpetually and will not rot. So we've gone for daily to the Sabbath one to the perpetual one. And it's not rotting. I don't understand that. The word of God is a lamp at my feet and then light on my path. On a daily basis it helps us. But when we see Jesus, we look back, he's a whole light. 
both daily, perpetual, and eternal word of God. How are we doing? So we have it daily, we have it for two days, and we have it perpetually. Why perpetually? Because the Lord wanted a testimony, evidence to the future generation of what the Lord had done for them. In Proverbs chapter 13 verse 22 we read this. A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. What is that inheritance? God. Many years ago, I attended a church. A church, I'm not going to name it here, lest you think that it applied to every member there. No, it was just one person. He used to come to me almost every Sunday. Do you have a mortgage? What? I just arrived in this country. I didn't speak English. My first job in, in the year 2000, my salary was 14,000 pounds, 792 per year. And you telling me every day to have a mortgage. Now who will give a mortgage even for half a flat? Now I didn't know what to answer. And repeatedly week on how are you? I've had two mortgages now. Are you having a mortgage? I don't know. I'm struggling to pay child care. It was too much. I was getting embarrassed all the time. And one day he came with the same question. Have you bought the house? I say, yes, that is not made by man's men, man's hand. The one that is made by God in heaven. And the matter was closed, and I got peace. <laughs> A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. Leave God. Leave God to your children. Leave God. Let them know God. If they have God, they have everything. A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. Remember, I'm talking about the memorial manner here. The reason why the Lord commanded for that manner to be kept was for the story the love affair between children of Israel and God will be recounted and told and passed on to future generations. It is parent responsibility today. The next generation, just look around what is happening. It's going to be tough. We have a unique privilege to have them under our authority. We have them if you say, oh, no, 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 don't be too harsh, you know, be understanding. No. If you see someone going to hell, if God opened your eyes to see someone going to hell, and you have an opportunity to pull them there, I don't think you will be politically correct. 
against the wind. Parents have unique responsibility. Unique responsibility. On that day, we will give an account before God. Do you remember the story I told you the other day of that brother? I asked him, how is the family gathering going on? He said to me, I'm really sorry. I've been very busy doing the outreach in Hyde Park Corner. Oh. In Hyde Park Corner, see you. Very happy to go and dispute with people whilst your own children are going to hell. Which God say that? I call that activism. I want to do things. My own house is going the other way. Now, we want our children, our family, everybody in heaven. No one rotting in hell. When the Israelites left, they left with everything including cattle. Cattle. Cattle, cattle. Cattle is the T one, isn't it? Cattle is the... Okay. Psalm 22, verse 30. Posterity shall serve him. It will be recounted of the Lord to the next generation. Serving the Lord with vision. Always think of next generation. Don't just live for you. Think about the next generation. We're all complaining about the moral decay in the country. But we have a great responsibility. This is a nation where in the assembly, all our MPs, they've all been in assemblies. They've all read the Bible. They all know the Ten Commandments. So it's an active rebellion. So we parents are responsible for what is happening. And then we're complaining about children. They did not come to life themselves. They found parents there. What have we done? The Lord made sure that the Israelite taught their children the ways of God. Hence the memorial manner. So, daily manner, Sabbath manner, memorial manner, and the last one, hidden manner. The hidden manner is found in Revelation chapter 2, verse 17. Now, this one, the hidden manner, this is the eternal one. Eternal one. Well, sometimes there is a bit of confusion, you know, because when a law is given in the Old Testament, and the Lord says it's a perpetual law, and sometimes people get a bit mixed up and they say, oh, uh, it's a, it's a law never to be discontinued. No. If someone gives me a gift, lend me the house, and they say you can use it perpetually, but it doesn't mean that when I die, some jam will come for free in it. It only means when I go, he takes his thing. That's what it means. That's perpetual. Perpetual can also be limited in time. So some of the laws given, they are perpetual, but in time, because some of them have been fully fulfilled in Jesus Christ. But what we're talking about here, eternal, is different for, from perpetual. Jesus is the eternal manner. 
He presents himself as the bread of life that came from heaven. He has no beginning, no end. And he said, your fathers ate the manna Moses gave them and they died. But what I give you is eternal life. That's what I'm talking about. Jesus Christ, the hidden manna. Have we received him in our hearts to live eternally? That's why he says, he who believes in me, though he died, will live. What about that? Who is the greatest enemy of humankind? Anyone? Thank you. Death. The Bible says the last enemy that will be destroyed is death. What's that verse in English? Where's your sting? Is that what he say? Death, where's your sting? Yeah. Where is it? Where's your power, death? Where is it? You held everyone in bondage, in fear. Now, where are you? Christ has triumphed over death. And those who are in him, death is not a break to eternal life. Now, because some of us will not even test it if, if Christ returns now. But if we die, Christ calls that sleeping. Sleeping. And he said, because he will raise us up. Hmm. That's the assurance we have. That's the peace we have with God. Some people think of death. This body may decay, may intimidate us, may panic us, may be sorrowful when we begin to breathe our last. But the inward person Strengthen. I'm going to meet my savior. This last briefing, okay. But inside, I'm going to meet my savior. That was Stephen's attitude. They were stoning him. He lived up and saw Jesus Christ standing ovation. Jesus standing to welcome his beloved. That's what we're looking to hidden manner. Dear friend, continue in the Lord. Persevere in the Lord. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. John chapter 6 verse 35, 48, 51. He is the bread of life. If you believe in Christ, you've made peace with God. Death has no dominion on you because it did not have dominion on Christ. And Christ lives in you on that day. On that day. It will be a thing of the past. Guess what? Death itself and the Hades, but it's a bit confusing in English because when you say death and Hades, it's not quite clear. You know, I prefer English to French because English is very rich. But for some expressions, you know, when in French we say la mort 
et le séjour de mort. La mort et le séjour de mort. Death and the place of death. All of them thrown in hell. That's the second death. And we will not come to that. Because of Christ who say, I am the resurrection and the life. That's why we worship him. That's why we love him. Because he saved us. He saved you. You love him. Blessed are you. You no longer worship idols. You worship the creator. Jesus Christ is the resurrection and the life. He who believes in him, though he may die physically, in bracket of put, shall live. Whoever lives and believes in him shall never die. That's Jesus talking there. Shall never die. That's the second death. Guess what? On that day, he will wipe away all tears from our eyes. There will be no pain, no sorrow, no tears. Do you know any place like that? Just a few weeks or months ago, or weeks, I don't know if it's been a month already, we've just mourned our queen. Buckingham Palace, there have been tears. There's no place in this world where there's no tears. But in Jesus Christ, there won't be. Do you know a place like that? He will wipe away all tears. Someone says, uh, does that apply to shame as well? Because I've been so disobedient. When I cry before him, will he wipe that one as well? Because I feel like I'm going to cry of shame on that day. Well, he will wipe away all tears, past, present, and future. (laughs) Second reading, Deuteronomy chapter 8. Deuteronomy chapter 8. We read from verse 1 to verse 6. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 1 to verse 6. Every commandment which I command you today, you must be careful to observe that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land of which the Lord saw to your fathers. And you shall remember that the Lord your God led you led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you and test you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandment or not. Verse 3. So he humbled you, allowed you to hunger, and fed you with manna which you did not know, nor did your fathers know that he might make you know that man shall not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. Your garments did not wear out on you, nor did your foot swell these forty years. Verse 5, you should know in your heart that as a man chastens his son, so the Lord your God chastens you. Verse 6, therefore you shall keep the commandment of the Lord your God to walk in his ways and to fear him. You see, now we have there 
the Lord is revealing the purpose, the reason, and the cause, I would say, why the children of Israel had to spend 40 years in the wilderness. In fact, there was some unintended consequences. When the Lord, through Moses, sent a group of people to go in the promised land, to spy the land, and to bring back evidence, some fruit, they came back. But out of the whole group, only two people gave an encouraging report to the people of Israel. Caleb and Joshua. All the rest discouraged the people. I'm telling you, unprecedented discouragement. I would say exaggeration. Think about that. We were in the sight like grasshopper. What kind of exaggeration is that? What level of discouragement is that? So you're telling people who are on the way to the promised land, don't even try. We've been there. In the sight, we looked like a grasshopper. They're going to finish us off in a matter of seconds. The people were discouraged. And Caleb came, the Bible says, he quiet people. And he said, we have, we have to go. We will go. With God, we will go, we will conquer, we will enter, we will possess the land. The son of Jephunneh. And uh, Caleb, the son of Nun, gave the same good report. God was so pleased with them. In the midst of, in time of discouragement, God wants people who will encourage others. Not people who are dragging you from the back all the time. It's not going to work. It used to be better before. We don't know where we're going. We don't. No. We want people to say, God is on, at the front. Is Yahweh Nisi. He will guide us. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. We call out his name. He will answer us. He will lead us safely in the same way he led the people of Israel. You don't want people, oh, things are not working. We're not moving forward. We're, not, we're so tired. We're weary. No. God is never tired. He found two people. Two. And with those people, they led the people of God. A good friend of mine said, one people with God is the majority. So, the journey of the Israelite out of Egypt is called the Exodus. The Jewish holy festival of Passover celebrates the freedom from slavery. Pause. Hmm. You must have heard all the controversy as to who is uh, the real promised descendants of Abraham. You must have heard that. Okay. 
I think in Genesis chapter 15, verse 13, the Lord spoke to Abraham. And he said, your descendants will go to slavery for 400 years. But after that, they will come out. (laughs) The Passover celebration is a celebration to remember the coming out of slavery from day one to today. Which people on the world celebrate Passover? The matter is closed. Easy. Oh no, you know, it was Ishmael. Yeah, Ishmael was the son of Abraham, but we're talking about the son of the promise here. Okay? Your descendants will go into slavery for 400 years. They celebrate Passover from day one. From the time they came out until today. Do we still need more evidence? That's the work of the devil. During their journey, the Israelites received a covenant with God. God promised to guide them safely to Canaan. Now, the Bible says, Christ is our Passover. Ah, Christ is our Passover. At 1 Corinthians 5, 7. And he promised us to be with us to the end. In the same way, he's led the children of Israel safely. He will lead those who believe in him to the end. He is our Passover. The Lord God delivered his people and led them faithfully in the wilderness because he wanted to teach them his ways. Deuteronomy chapter verse 8, chapter 8, verse 6 to 7. You shall keep the commandment of the Lord your God to walk in his way and fear him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land. Hmm. So, the Lord gives them promises. And then he tells them how they should walk. Because He's leading them to the promised land. But we have the same in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1. Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. You see, holiness is not wishful thinking. It's not a label. Holiness translates into genuine fear of God on a daily basis. Having such promises, let us cleanse ourselves from every filthiness of the flesh and of the spirit perfecting holiness in the fear of God. So the fear of God is evidence. We read in the book of Acts chapter 9 verse 31 
the church in all Judea, in Galilee, in Samaria was in peace. And edified itself. And walking in the fear of God. And in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. And churches were multiplied. Multiplied. Act 9.31 That's the New Testament church. The fear of the Lord. The comfort of the Holy Spirit. Edification of the believers. Multiplication. By the assistance of the Holy Spirit. Because the church was working in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. That's why it's been called the acts of the Holy Spirit by some people. We're not here just for man's good ideas. No. We want the Lord to build us up. We want the Lord to revive us. We want the Lord to reveal himself more to us. We want to love him more. We want our hearts to be fully to him. That's what we want. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. You know, in Swahili, Swahili is one of the most spoken languages in Africa. The word for heart is ro, just like roha, is ro. And the word for the Holy Spirit is ro mutakatifu, holy heart. So the Holy Spirit can bring that God-desired heart in us. If we let the Holy Spirit fill our heart and guide us. You see, the Holy Spirit, it's not the thief, a spare tire that from time to time, in case of puncture or something, we can... No, the Holy Spirit is the center the Lord said, I will not leave you orphans, but I will send you another myself. The paracletos. The comforter. To guide you in all truth. So when we pray to receive, to be filled with the Holy Spirit, we're not just praying to speak in tongues. No. That's maybe just the beginning of the whole story. That initial. See what happened at the Pentecost. That was just the starting. Then there is the building up. There is the service. There is the revelation. And moving forward with God. Beloved. I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims. Abstain from fleshly lust, which war against the soul. First Peter chapter two verse eleven. Third reading, Numbers chapter eleven. Numbers chapter eleven. Reading the six first verses. Numbers chapter 11, verse 1 to 6. Now, when the people complained, 
it displeased the Lord, for the Lord heard it, and his anger was aroused. So the fire of the Lord burned among them and consumed some in the outskirts of the camp. Then the people cried out to Moses, and when Moses prayed to the Lord, the fire was quenched. So he called the name of the place Tabera, because the fire of the Lord had burned among them. Verse 4. Now the mixed multitude who were among them yielded to intense craving. So the children of Israel also wept again and said, Who will give us meat to eat? We remember the fish which we ate freely in Egypt, the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, the garlics. But now our whole being is dried up. There is nothing at all except this manna before our eyes. Hmm. Is that true? Is that true that in Egypt they were all having a five-star meal and they were all very, you know, to the full. They said they were sitting at the pot of the bread in full. Is that true? That's not what I see in Exodus 5 and 6. Taskmasters, bricks, slavery. But that attitude... They repeated even before Christ himself in John 8. We've never been in bondage to anyone. Negating the reality. Negating the reality. Everything was good before. Now nothing is working. Now, no, no, no. That's not true. That's not true. These people were not thankful. They did not discern what God was doing. They were lying. It's not true. But you see, if you are put in that position, you cannot appreciate what God is doing in your life, what God is giving you. Your children, your friend, the brethren, the church, all those things we cannot appreciate if we are unthankful to the Lord. They were lying. They were making God a liar. They negated the deliverance of God, it's not a good place to be. Let us be thankful to the Lord. Now, what you've just read here, whatever version of the Bible you're using, I'm going to read for you the same, but from a version of the Bible called, called God's Word. God's word translation. Listen carefully. The same passage. Numbers chapter 11. I'm reading from verse 4. Some foreigners among the Israelites had a strong craving for other kinds of food. Even the Israelites started crying again and said, If only we had meat to eat. Remember all the free fish we ate in Egypt and the cucumber, watermelon, leeks, onion, and garlic we had. Now listen verse 6. 
But now we've lost our appetite. Hmm. Very serious. But now we've lost our appetite. Everywhere we look, there is nothing but manna. Mm-hmm. Mm. They had appetite for a different kind of food. The bread that came from heaven, which is also called the food of the angels in the Bible, was no longer enough. They want new things. People running all over the place. No. We're not having enough. We're not having No, that's the greatest teacher there. That's the greatest YouTube. That's the greatest. Where is the life? Where is growth as part of the body? Because we are called to grow together. To drink from the same source. And move together. I'm not against people running all over the place. There, there. That's fine. But not despising what the Lord is doing in this church as well. Oh, that's the same. We've heard that before. We want new things. We want it. We want meat. We want this. We want that. Despising. That's all there is. That's the attitude they had. Have you spotted why? Because of the foreigners who were amongst them. Ah. They did not understand why the Lord had given manna for so. God intended to give them manna every day. He knew why. Because of the mixed multitude who came in by stealth to draw the people after themselves. They brought rebellion. And the people of Israel themselves gave in and began to complain. So sad if what is happening in churches these days We are invited. We are, uh, uh, what's the expression? Infiltrated by non-believers. The word of God is no longer enough. They have their own agenda. You come with the word of God, they come with this, they come with it, they come with this, they come with this. The word of God itself is no longer respected. We've lost appetite of the word of God. We want new things. What did God do? He gave them new things. The quails. What does the Bible say in uh, uh, Psalm 78? He gave them, not for a day, not for the Sabbath, for a month. And they ate and they were happy. The Bible says, wise food was still in their belly. The Lord punished them properly. Because they tempted him, because they lusted after their own desires. Lord, we want new thing, we want new thing. Nobody's praying about obedience. Nobody's praying about the fear of God in the body of Christ. Everybody wants new things, miracle, and this and that. Nobody's praying, Lord, have your own way. Appetite for new things is dangerous. The Bible says now the Spirit expressly said that in the latter day some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirit and doctrines of demons. What can turn someone away from the word of God and his spirit if not doctrines of demons, man-made fabrications, cunningly devised fables? 
turning people away from the word of God and to philosophies. We need to be careful because that will be one of the key traits and feature of the end time. For the time will come when they will not enjoy sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers. Remember I told you the other day that I was quoting the most excellent preacher in this world. I'm not going to name today because I'm wise this morning. And I quoted and I gave his website. I said, go and check out yourself. I've never had such hostility from people. I did not know he said that rather than just recognizing that he was wrong. Oh, I'm very shocked that he said that. I listen to him every day, but that's your problem. We are called to test everything. Nobody is above scrutiny. Paul himself rejoiced when the Bereans scrutinized his teaching. Nobody. Some people say, do you know how many followers he has on YouTube? But that's not my problem. I'm not in the business of followers. I'm just asking people to test by the Bible. That's all. Heap up for themselves teachers. Listen carefully to what Paul has to say. I fear lest somehow as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness so your mind may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. For if he who comes preaches another Jesus whom we have not preached or if you receive a different spirit which you have not received or a different gospel. Hmm. So there is a possibility to receive another Jesus, another spirit, a different gospel. And Paul was worried. He's writing to believers. He said, I fear that you be corrupted in your mind and that you depart from the simplicity that is in Christ. The gospel is simple, but it's not simplistic. But it is simple. But those teachers who want to draw people after them, they make it so difficult that they are needed. They make it so difficult and believers are discouraged. I'm telling you. At some point I was thinking to have a day in theology in this church. To do what? Just to show you what these intellectuals have done to the gospel. You will be surprised at the expressions they put there. It's not for the simple. You can't understand. And they're quite delighted in that. It's so complicated. Just to talk about the Holy Spirit, I'm telling you. Isma, 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 everywhere. Galatians chapter 2 verse 4. And this occurred because the false brethren secretly brought in, who came in by stealth to spy out our liberty which we have in Christ Jesus. Be careful. The problem in the church of Galatia was Paul was teaching, other people were coming behind. He does not understand things. We have more knowledge. We know more about him. 
He does not know. And Paul was just defending his ministry. Say, Christ called me. Have I taught you something alien? Paul said. And then Paul found by God revelation. Oh, false brethren have came in by stealth to spy out our liberty and draw people out behind themselves. Problems. The Lord is the shepherd, is the chief shepherd of his people, is the builder of the church, which is his body. I've already quoted to you in the book of Acts 9.31, the churches throughout all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria had peace and were edified and walking the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Spirit, they were multiplied. In the wilderness, the heart of the people of Israel was revealed. The heart was revealed. Their unbelief unthankfulness, rebellion, lust, idolatry. The people lusted exceedingly and tempted God by asking things according to their own lust and fleshly desires. The word which they had received did not profit them because it was not mixed with faith in those who received it. Hebrews 4, 2, 3. In conclusion, finally, I'm going to read that for you because I have it here. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain the prize. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now, they do it to obtain a perishable crown but we for an, an imperishable crown. Therefore I run thus, not with uncertainty. Thus I fight, not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. 1 Corinthians 9. Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware of all our Father were under. Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that all our fathers were under the cloud. Is a summary of everything we've been reading from Exodus now. This is from Paul. All passed through the sea. All were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. All ate the same spiritual food. And all drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank of the spiritual rock that followed them. And that rock was Christ. But with most of them, God was not well pleased. For their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Now, these things became our examples to the intent that we should not last after evil things as they also lasted. And do not become idolaters as were some of them, as it is written. The people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Nor let us commit sexual immorality as some of them did, and in one day 
23,000 fell. No let us tempt Christ, as some of them also tempted, and were destroyed by serpents. No complain, as some of them complained, and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now, all these things happened to them as examples. And they were written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the ages have come. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. The name of the Lord is a strong tower, the righteous run to it. Our soul wait for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. The Lord is our deliverer and our salvation. Believe on the Lord Jesus and you shall be saved. Amen. Let's pray. And thanks for your patience. Heavenly Father, we want to bless you, Lord. And we commit our hearts unto your hands. Lord, we pray that your good spirit will filter the things I've been talking about here and impart to every heart what they need from you. For you know everyone's needs to go on with you. We pray that, Lord, you meet the needs of everyone. Bless each heart. Help us, Lord, to carry on fighting the good fight of faith and teach us your ways. Bless everyone here. Bless our time of fellowship. And Lord, we pray for those who are unwell in their bodies. May you, Lord, help. We pray, Lord, for those who are tired in this journey. May you raise them up. May you revive the broken heart, the contrite spirit. Lord, we need you. For the rest of the surgeon and pilgrim, for without you there is nothing we can do. We commit this church to you. We pray that, Lord, you continue to lead us. We give you all the glory. In the name of Jesus, amen.